Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 is where we'll be at tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, and we are going to continue... Uh, in this series. Remember, we are uh, just one chapter behind. Uh, We took a little bit and broke down chapter 12 a couple of weeks ago uh, into two sermons, so we're just one week behind on this. Uh, We'll finish this in the new year uh, for for 1 Corinthians. We'll end in chapter 16 next week uh, to begin the good good year, uh, the new year. Uh, and hopefully, 2022 will also be a good year, uh, not a tire or a bust, uh, especially a busted tire. That would never be good, would it? Um, but uh, hopefully, it'll be a, a wonderful year uh, for us. And uh, but we're going to be in First Corinthians chapter 15 this evening. I thought about maybe combining uh, chapter 15 and 16, but I don't think it would have done justice uh, to the text here this evening um, because when we come to chapter 15. Uh, Paul is continuing to uh, answer questions, and he has been asked multiple questions. We just finished up uh, the section on what about gifts, and uh, he he did a a splendid job explaining the gifts and their purpose and their uses uh, throughout that. And now he is moving on into this chapter here uh, in chapter number 15, where Uh, He is going to answer the question about and concerning the resurrection, Uh, the resurrection. And there were uh, many questions in this day and age. Now, you can consider uh, the number of questions that we have today in our culture concerning and surrounding the resurrection, even those that would doubt, uh, those that would question whether or not it happened. Well, uh, those similar questions were taking place even in uh, the first century church. Uh, there, there were those that wondered about uh, the resurrection. There were those that uh, had questions about the resurrection of the dead. If you think about uh, the book of First and Second Thessalonians, uh, how Paul had to address that church at Thessalonica about whether or not the rapture had already taken place, uh, and those types of things. And so many questions uh, surrounding that. And uh, I, I would dare say that in First Corinthians chapter number fifteen, I think it is. Uh, probably uh, one of the greatest chapters in all of Scripture. Uh, In all that Paul puts in here and teaches uh, within this chapter, it's wonderful. I would put it on the same level as Romans chapter 8, as we get some major doctrine from both of these chapters. And here in 1 Corinthians 15, we have really one of the oldest accounts uh, outside of the Gospels concerning the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and so as we've been going through this book here, uh, again, he's beginning to answer some of these questions. And I want to read uh, a few verses for you here. This is probably the longest uh, chapter within this book here, uh, 1 Corinthians, but we're going to read several verses here this evening, and then we'll break it down uh, throughout the chapter here and make some comments. Uh, the Scripture says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, 
which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, and that He was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present. But some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed. Now, if Christ be preached that He rose from the dead, how... Say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ, or then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain, or vain, and your faith is also vain. Yes, or yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up. If so be, that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that sleep. For since by man came death, and by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. A couple more verses here. The Scripture says, verse 23, But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits afterward, they that are Christ are coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, or the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and authority, and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, for he hath put all things under his feet. 
But when he saith, all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted or expected, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. So what about the resurrection? What about it? What do we have here? We're going to talk about the resurrection this evening and all that is concerned about it. This whole chapter deals with it. And so that's what we're going to deal with this evening. Let's pray about this and uh, ask God to meet with us in a special way. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, I thank You. And Father, I come this evening to Your throne. For Father, we need Your help. You have given this wonderful gift of Your Son, Jesus Christ, who died on Calvary's cross, was buried, and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And Father, we have put everything that we have into this truth tonight. Financial investment, a time investment, we've invested in this truth. In that the gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ, saves lives. Changes eternity for anyone who will believe. And Father, as we consider that tonight, when we consider this question of the resurrection, and we look at all that it pertains to it, Father, I pray that you would clear our thoughts, clear our minds, and God, that you would have your way during this time. May you be honored, may you be glorified for all that is said and done in this place, this night. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, so we're going to break this down here in several different sections uh, as we do. And uh, there's, there's several points. Again, there's, there's uh, nearly 58 verses in this chapter, and so we have a lot to cover this evening. And I'm going to try to do it as quickly as we can, uh, and yet try to make as much sense of it as we can uh, as to what is going on here. So in the first four verses, though, I want to draw your attention uh, first this evening to uh, the prominence of the, re of the resurrection. Uh, the prominence of the resurrection. Again, uh, all of all faith that we have within the Christian church, it is based upon this one fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Understand that. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, there is no Christianity. There's definitely not Christianity as we know it today, and that would be no different from the first century church. Everything that we have, all the faith that we have, is based upon Jesus Christ rising from the dead on the third day after He was crucified. And, and so the prominence of this resurrection is of utmost importance as we, looked at, as we look at this uh, this evening. And it is, again, the fact that Jesus Christ did rise from the dead. Uh, look at verse number 4, if you will, as Paul says, uh, or verse 3, if you will, as well. He says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, uh, that which I also received, 
how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, two things here that are taking place here is one, that Christ rose from the dead, but secondly, that it's according to the Scriptures. The Scriptures being that final authority of what was taking place. Now, we also have within the facts of Christ's resurrection and that He rose again would be the time element in Christ's resurrection. The time element in Christ's resurrection. Now, uh, there are uh, really uh, there's three primary theories. Uh, the most uh, recognized today would be that Christ was uh, crucified on Friday and rose again on Sunday. Uh, now, this would be uh, and fall in line with what would be an accepted uh, Jewish custom uh, that if they were to count part of a day, uh, they would count uh, that as a full day. Uh, so, meaning Christ being crucified on Friday, uh, being day one, and then if He were uh, crucified on Friday, then all day on Saturday, and then He rose up uh, on Sunday, on the first day of the week, being that part of the day, being uh, three days. Now, uh, that is the most traditional uh, look at when Jesus was crucified. There is another uh, opinion on this, and it would have to do with the Passover week and as far as when uh, the Sabbath would have been, and even in that, the preparation of the Sabbath. Um, but the other accepted uh, and maybe uh, less widely accepted, uh, and probably more due to uh, just tradition being stronger, uh, would be that Jesus was crucified on Wednesday. Uh, is, any, is, anybody, is this new to anyone here this evening? You say, I've never heard that Jesus may have been crucified on Wednesday before? Uh, anyone at all? Um, and, and here is the, uh, the theory of uh, or the reasoning behind Jesus being crucified on Wednesday. Uh, in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 40, uh, the Scripture talks about Jesus being uh, crucified and spending three days and three nights in the grave. Now, in order for Jesus to spend three full days and three full nights in the grave, He would have had to have been crucified on uh, Wednesday. Uh, being Thursday, being one day, one night, Friday being one day, one night, Saturday being one day, one night, and then raising from the dead on Sunday. Uh, so you have some timeline discrepancies there, uh, meaning to fulfill, uh, and that's what it would take to fulfill three days and three nights. Uh, if you take away, uh, or if you go back to the Friday, you would have uh, part of Friday and Friday night and all day Saturday and all day Saturday night, that's not a full three days and three nights, is it? It's not. Uh, so again, if we're going to take Matthew uh, at face value, three days, three nights, he would have had to have been crucified on Wednesday. Now, I'm not going to nail that down because I was not there. Uh, you were not there. Uh, however, I do take Scripture at face value, and so my personal opinion would hold uh, that he was more than likely crucified on Wednesday. Uh, I could accept Thursday, uh, possibly, um, but I personally, I do not uh, accept Friday as the 
official crucifixion day for Christ. Uh, but that's just the time element within his uh, within the resurrection. We do know that it was on the first day of the week that he rose. Uh, that is nailed down. You can't dispute it. It was on the first day of the week. Now, the question is this. What was the reason of the resurrection? Why did Christ resurrect from the dead? Well, Paul tells us here, and uh, there is some, uh, again, there is some reasoning here. If you go back uh, in verse number 1, he says, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which ye are also are ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached uh, unto you, unless ye believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. Listen, Christ was not a martyr dying for uh, dying His death, but He was a Savior dying for our sins. He died for our sins. And the resurrection uh, within this, again, uh, is a result that you and I are saved. We are saved because of the resurrection. And He died to pay the penalty for our sins. And so this prominence of the resurrection uh, is that it was a fairly wide-known fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Now in this, while we see the prominence, we also see the proof of the resurrection. From verses 5 through verse 11, Paul uh, breaks down uh, all of those that uh, gave that Christ gave appearances to, that He gave appearances to. He was seen of Cephas in verse 5, that's Peter. Then of the twelve, uh, after that He was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present. But some are fallen asleep. He says, look, over five hundred people saw Christ in His resurrected form. I mean, it'd be one thing if Christ just showed Himself to His disciples, wouldn't it? If He just showed Himself to Peter and, and those that followed closely by, that'd be one thing to uh, be able to uh, dispute that and say, well, of course, uh, you know, the conspiracy theory. Look, conspiracy theories are not new, are they? Uh, they've been around for a long time. And, and so when you have that, and you see uh, that there were over 500 people that saw Christ in resurrected form. Here's the interesting thing that I think is simply amazing. 500 people saw Christ in resurrected form. And yet, and yet, we're still talking about it today. The message of the resurrection just over 500 people, not quite 600, that saw Jesus Christ in His resurrected form, took that message, and it has spread for millenniums, for centuries. We hold to those truths to this day. Over ten main appearances of Jesus as the resurrected Savior. Paul uh, refers to his personal visit by the Savior here. As he says in verse number 8, And last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one 
born out of due time. Paul saying he was premature uh, in his. But he says in verse 9, he says, For I am the least of the apostles, that I'm not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Now in this, in verse 11, he says, I think again, one of the greatest verses here. He says, therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach. And so you believe. Check this out. He says, because of the resurrection, because we've seen Him, because we have proof of this, He says, whether it were me or whether it were someone else, so we preach. Ye believe. Power, the proof of the resurrection is there. We'll see the power here in a few moments, but I want you to see not just that, but the priority of the resurrection. The priority of the resurrection. Again, uh, there, there were different theories surrounding the resurrection for those who did not believe. Again, con- conspiracy theories are not new. They're, they're ages old. Some were that the disciples stole the body of Jesus. They didn't believe the resurrection, but they also couldn't find Him. They couldn't find the body of Jesus. So there had to be those that would say, well, this is what happened, or that happened, or uh, His body was stolen. They, they took it and put Him somewhere else so they could make up this story of the resurrection. But again, over 500 people saw Him. Kind of hard to dispute that. But Paul goes through here and he says, Now, if Christ be preached that He rose from the dead... How say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? You see, part of the reason Paul is writing this chapter and he's answering this question, what about the resurrection, is because there were some in this church that said there is no resurrection. And Paul says, now look, if we don't have a resurrection, then we have a lot of problems. And there are a lot of horrible consequences that would be and that would come about if we don't have a resurrection. He says in verse 13, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. The first consequence, of the, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ Himself is not risen and is rotting in a grave somewhere. And I'm just going to tell you, that would be a horrible consequence, wouldn't it? A horrible consequence. And as we look here, He continues and He says, if Christ be not risen, then our preaching then is our preaching vain? Now think about this. We we come in 52 Sundays in a year. It's a lot of Sundays. We have Sunday school hour. We have a Sunday morning hour. We have a Sunday evening hour. We have a Wednesday uh, midweek service hour. We have special meetings uh, throughout the uh, throughout the year, I mean, we're, we're probably somewhere about 160 to 165 meetings a year that we stand and declare the Word of God. We preach during those meetings. 
We hold Bible studies. We declare this. And Paul says, if there's no resurrection from the dead, then everything we do is in vain. It's empty. It's meaningless. It's useless. He says in verse 14, If Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain, and our faith is also vain. He says you've believed in nothing. If there's no resurrection, then your belief is empty. Verse 15, Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God. He says we've lied about God. Liars and fools we've become because we've testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is Christ not raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and ye are yet in your sin. He says, let's take this all the way to the end. You see, it's one thing to have a theory, and it's one thing to have an idea, but when we have these ideas, you know what we have to do? we got to take them all the way to the end of the track, don't we? And what Paul is doing here is he's taking this idea, and he's taking it all the way to the end of the track, all the way to say that if, if the dead be not risen, then Christ hasn't risen. And if Christ hasn't risen, then it makes us liars. And if it makes us liars and Christ is not risen and your faith is in vain, then at the end of the day, it means your sins are not forgiven. That's the consequences. That's what makes the priority of the resurrection so important. Because our faith is not in vain. Christ is risen from the dead. And from verses 20, To verse number 34, we see the plea of the resurrection. He says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that sleep. He says, in this, uh, if you go back to verse 19, he says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead? He says, it doesn't matter because Christ is risen from the dead. He is. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. To all those that believe, Christ shall make them alive. In verse 22, But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits afterward, they are uh, they that are Christ's at His coming. Then cometh the end, then or when she shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, and he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. The plea of the resurrection, if you drop down to verse number 33, he says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. I speak this to your shame. The plea of the resurrection is that we're to awake unto righteousness. When we get saved, we receive the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness of Christ we are to awaken to and sin not. 
were to avoid those that uh, were to avoid those that deny the resurrection. Again, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Those that deny that Christ rose from the dead, he says, stay away from. Stay away from. The plea of the resurrection. Awake unto righteousness. We see in verse number 35 through verse 38, he says, But some men will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? And he says, pretty strong language here, by the way, in verse 36. He says, Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. That which thou sowest, thou sowest not that the body shall be but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or, some, or of some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased Him. And to every seed His own body. He says, don't you know anything? He said, you ever sown anything? You ever grown anything in the ground? Don't you know that every seed that goes into the ground before it can live must die? That's what he's talking about. Every seed must die first, then come up. And then he just breaks it down and he says, God has the power. There's not, listen, there's not one seed that is planted in the ground that God has an oversaw. And he says, there's not one resurrected body that God doesn't have the power over in there. Now I want you to see next, as it says in verse 38, he says, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body, it is raised in a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Referring to Christ, by the way, in that last Adam. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Notice the language there. I want to read verse 47 just for emphasis sake one more time. Notice the wording here. The first man is of the earth, earthy. Now notice the language here in this second phrase. The second man is the Lord. Did you catch that? 
The first man is of the earth. The second man is the Lord. Not of the Lord, amen? But is the Lord. Is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne in the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. We see the perfection of the resurrection in this. The attributes of the old sinful body we see here as it's described, sown in corruption in verse 42, sown in dishonor, sown in weakness, sown in a natural body. But then we see the attributes of the new body as it's raised in incorruption. There's no corruption in the resurrection. It's raised in glory and power. It's raised in a spiritual body. But then when we go on in verse number 50, the Bible says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. We see uh, number seven this evening, the promise of the resurrection. Some wanted to know, has the resurrection happened? When is it going to happen? Well, that is for God to know, but He tells them here, it hasn't happened yet. He says, I'm going to show you a mystery. He says, not everybody's going to sleep. Not everyone's going to die. He says, but we'll all be changed. And it's going to happen in a moment. It's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. As the last trump, as it sounds, the dead will be raised incorruptible. This is how it's going to happen. We shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. But he's already explained we have a spiritual body that we will obtain here. So what's the purpose of the resurrection? We see the promise, we see all these others. What's the purpose? In verse 54 he says, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. What's the purpose of the resurrection? To destroy the last enemy of mankind? Death? Jesus defeated it. And He has given the power for everyone that believes on His name to defeat that same enemy. And here in this last point, we see the power of the resurrection as he says in verse 55, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. If you're in the habit of marking in your Bibles, I'd encourage you to underline, circle, highlight verse 57, but thanks be to God. 
which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Power of the resurrection. Death, where's your sting? Grave, where's your victory? It says, stand fast. Stand fast. Be steadfast. Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. He says, there is a resurrection. He says, some have doubted it. Some have wondered about it. Some want to know, has it already passed? Just so you're aware, it hasn't. But when it happens... Christ is victorious. Death is lost. The grave is empty. And the power of the resurrection comes. And he says, therefore, because of all of this, verse 58, he says, because there is a resurrection, because we have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, he says, you can be steadfast. He said, you can be unmovable. Not wavering on this any longer. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Again, what's this have to do with? It has to do with going forward. Because there is a resurrection. Because Christ has defeated death. Because Christ has defeated the grave. We can move forward. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You see, part of the purpose in this uh, theory behind, well, the resurrection didn't happen, is because some didn't want to work. Some didn't want to move forward. Some didn't want to. Uh, it was just like, oh, well, what do we do now? If the resurrection didn't happen, then what are we doing? Well, it did happen. He was victorious, and he'll be victorious again. And so we've got to keep moving. We've got to keep moving forward because your labor is not in vain. In the Lord. Keep moving, he says. Keep going. It's worth it. Keep going. Keep going. Every head bowed, every eye closed this evening.